it seems to me that Minecraft, inadvertently, obviously, has this underlying tale of fallen civilizations, and all these civilizations seem to have fallen because they missed out on the secret that the villagers have maintained. For one, they don't have massive civilizations, which, I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a massive civilization, but as long as you have a way to sustain yourself, then you can do that. They don't have massive civilizations, the villagers don't, and they have enough food to sustain their population. Welcome to Talk Agony, the podcast dedicated to improving AI literacy around the globe. I'm your host, Brandon Black, and in today's episode, we're talking all about one of my favorite video games of all time, Minecraft. This is an episode I've wanted to do for quite a while now because I think that Minecraft has a lot of deep ties with agriculture that don't get talked about very often. And I technically had talked about Minecraft before regarding agriculture, but not on this podcast. I actually did it while I was guesting on a show called Geekology 101, uh, which was about a year ago, I think. It was a while ago. So if you guys want to hear that conversation, I will link that down in the description. You guys can go check that out. Uh, but otherwise, this episode is going to be tied all around not just agriculture and Minecraft, but also going back to our mini-series you know, theory that we've been working on, how Minecraft ties into agriculture and society as a whole. So basically, this is the last part of the third paragraph that I was discussing earlier in which the the four different uh, evidence examples that I used, so Good Dinosaur, Wally, um, Outer Worlds, and now Minecraft, are all part of the same puzzle that prove that agriculture and society cannot be separated from one another. So diving straight into it, I mean, let's just talk about Minecraft as a whole. So Minecraft is a game that, you know, has been out for some time now. Uh, I started playing it back in 2010. I think that was around the time that it began to really get popular. But it's been out even longer, since you know, since before then. Um, so it's been around for over a decade, which is weird to think about, you know, lo looking at it from that perspective. And it's gone through a lot of changes. But from the very, very beginning of, of you know, the earliest betas of the game, the essential idea behind the game has remained the same you know you have to survive as long as possible it's built around using your environment to craft resources or, or rather using environmental resources to craft tools and you know supply yourself with food and, and create a shelter and do whatever you need to do to, to survive as long as you can allow yourself to and while this is classically you know categorized as a sandbox game because you can do anything in it and while it is a game that warrants a lot of creativity and a lot of self-expression None of that survival would be possible without some source of food. In most instances of the game, you have to build some kind of farm or hunt or, you know, use some some sort of resources to allow yourself to eat and maintain, you know, a healthy diet or else you'll either starve to death or if your hunger bar gets low enough and, and you get hurt, your your health won't regenerate naturally and you could die easier. So right from the get-go, there's this idea that food is innately important for survival, which, I mean... I think that we have a firm understanding of that by now. I would hope so, at least. And it's you know, it's it's kind of in, in, uh, embedded in our culture and society that food is not only essential for survival, but that it basically is the only way to have a healthy and happy life. Um, 
it's like we talked about in the last episode, having that relationship with food is all the more important in, in having that healthy and, and happy life. And even, you know, Minecraft itself demonstrates this. Um, there's not the largest variety in what food you can get, but there are crops and animals that you can that you can uh, use to harvest food, as well as natural, you know, foods such as apples that you can't technically farm. You kind of just get them na- uh, randomly from trees. Um, but the thing is, in, a, in Minecraft, I can always make the argument that, sure, you know, the first thing that most people do whenever they start up a world is they get some wood, they get some stone, they kind of build some early tools, and then they usually build a farm and a house. You know, that's kind of the basis of any new Minecraft player, or just anytime you start up a new world, that's kind of a good starting point. Because for one, it gets you some food, it gets you a shelter, and it gets you some kind of foundation to start your world, whatever your intention for the world may be. Now... That is a good argument, you know, that, that definitely improves my point that, you know, the first society in a new world has to be founded with some source of food. And, you know, usually agriculture is the means by which most players get their food, but not always. There are some players who never build a farm. They just build their house, or sometimes they don't even build a house. They just live a nomadic lifestyle, and they prefer to just hunt for their food, or they prefer to just grab food wherever they could find it, whether it be, you know, apples from a tree, or they go fishing, or... They stumble upon to the next piece of evidence I'm going to go into, villages. You see, in Minecraft, there actually are pre-established societies, villages. They're pre-constructed buildings that spawn into every single world, and they spawn into a variety of different forms and shapes and sizes, depending on what biome they're in, depending on how many buildings are in in the village, depending on the number of villagers in the village. There's a million different factors that can incorporate how the village specifically is going to be designed. But no matter what... In every village I've ever seen, there has been one thing that remains constant across all of them. Farms. In every village, there's a farmer, and at least one farmer, and there's usually one or more farms that are growing a variety of different crops, whether it be wheat or carrots or potatoes or beetroot, whatever it is, there's a, a variety of crops and agricultural products being grown, and in most villages, there's even hay bales and, you know, different agricultural commodities, and many have livestock, many have horses, or, you know, at least pens for different animals. There seems to be this natural connection to the pre-generated societies in Minecraft that go right back to agriculture. So that's kind of the the big point that I really want to make with this, is that Minecraft... Well, it, while it is a world all about survival and, you know, kind of innovating your your environment into whatever resources you can harvest from it and use those resources to create new tools and, you know, new technology, there's a lot to be said about the conversation that we've been having on this podcast about agriculture and, and society and how the two are connected and how that gets demonstrated in games like Minecraft. So again, you know, while while the earliest societies tend to be founded using agriculture, even the societies that the game just creates naturally usually incorporate agriculture. And the farmers are considered one of the more useful villagers, at least early on in the game, because they'll trade you food and early game resources that could be u- very useful, and usually not for a crazy price. Or at the very least, you can go to their farms and harvest their crops and replant them and build a stronger relationship with those villagers and trade with them for better resources throughout your adventure. Again, kind of going back to this whole idea that agriculture and society are foundational to, to one another, it's it's interesting to see that throughout the entirety of Minecraft, I mean, we see a variety of different structures being designed in Minecraft, 
the only ones that seem to have successful, you know, natural life in, in them are the villages. And, you know, you can look at, you have woodland mansions, which have the pillagers in them. And like, yeah, you could argue that the pillagers are alive, but you also have evokers in there, which are doing all kinds of witchcraft and black magic. So it's arguable that they don't need agriculture because they can use magic to sustain themselves. Then you have the nether fortresses and the underwater temples and the desert temples and the jungle temples and you'll notice that in all of these structures even like the bastions and that sort of thing inside the the nether uh, in, inside the nether in all these pre-generated structures none of the entities living inside of them are civilized beings they're all either monsters or they're undead and none of them are peaceful by any means most of them are, are very hostile and generally just not very pleasant to be around i mean look at the blazes you know if you go into another fortress which the only reason anyone ever would is to get blaze rods you're greeted by blazes which try to light you on fire wither skeletons which try to attack you and, and curse you as well as gas zombie pigmen piglins and a variety of other mobs that are not fun to deal with at all in every structure that we see in the entirety of the game they're all inhabited by dangerous creatures that are far from civilized. And those creatures, while we don't exactly see a source of food for most of them, we assume just kind of scavenge. And we actually do see that in some cases. The piglins are more of a nomadic uh, civilization in which they just kind of wander across the nether killing uh, hoglins, which are giant nether pigs, and surviving off of their meat. And we can trade with them. They do have some level of civilization going on, but not nearly to the degree that the villagers have. And... You know, if you look into the the overworld, the underwater temples that are theorized to at one point have been above surface are all completely inhabited by aquatic creatures that are basically just trying to curse and kill you the entire time. There's very little actual civ you know civilization going on with any structures besides the villages. So this kind of goes back to this idea that you know you can build a society, but without a sustainable source of food, without agriculture, or without maybe a, a sustainable you know source of direction, a sustainable goal, you know something to to do, there's very little to actually accomplish. You know the society can't sustain itself for very long if it doesn't have something to do, if it doesn't have a source of food. Even if we go to the end, you know, one of the only other civilizations that we see that don't have hostile mobs in them don't have mobs in them at all. I mean, the end cities, which are inhabited by Endermen, are completely barren. Yes, the Endermen are there, but the Endermen don't serve as the civilians of those cities, at least not in a way that seems very obvious to me. They don't exactly exhibit civilized behavior. You can't trade with them, you can't communicate with them. If you look at them the wrong way, they try to attack you. I mean... And these end cities are kind of strange in structure and, and behavior. I mean, they have shulkers on the inside, but again, hostile mobs. And the structures of their buildings just don't seem to make a lot of sense. You kind of have to float through them. You don't really climb stairs or anything to get to the top of them. They have flying pirate ships, which don't make a whole lot of sense. Like, the entirety of the end cities just doesn't seem sustainable. It seems like they were just kind of built by adventurers, and there's no food in the end besides chorus fruit, the fruit that Endermen eat and the fruit that supposedly gives them the power to teleport. It seems to me that Minecraft, inadvertently obviously, has this underlying tale of fallen civilizations, and all these civilizations seem to have fallen because they missed out on the secret that the villagers have maintained. For one, they don't have massive civilizations. Which, I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a massive civilization, but as long as you have a way to sustain yourself, then you can do that. They don't have massive civilizations, the villagers don't, and they have enough food to sustain their population. 
and as the player we often rely on their systems of food early on in the game before starting our own not everyone you know there are some people who just get seeds from chests or from you know destroying grass and they use those seeds to plant their first crop of wheat which they eventually expand into potatoes and carrots and all those other crops but it seems that most players at least use villages to get early food before they begin to start their own farms and that in every other instance of a civilization there seems to be no other source of food in the game i mean I don't know how many people go to a desert temple hoping to get some, you know, some wheat or some carrots or some potatoes. I don't think that's ever happened for anybody. You might be able to find an apple in a jungle temple, but I seriously doubt it. And I think that of all the civilizations that we've seen in the game, the villages seem to have been surviving the longest. And it may be that they are just the most recent of the civilizations, which is definitely possible. But it's not obvious to me that they're completely out of the realm possibility of being the longest survivors because of the because of their ability to grow their own food now i will say something i just thought of in in the end or sorry in the nether in nether fortresses you do find one particular type of farm nether wart but the thing is these aren't farms necessarily they're kind of more like nether wart gardens which is a bit different i mean you can't eat nether wart you can only use it to make potions or maybe nether wart blocks if you wanted to do that for some reason but nether wart in and of itself does not serve a primary purpose as a crop so it's kind of useless to farm it and that's what makes me think that the nether fortresses aren't really farming anything they're kind of just growing it as a decoration maybe it's hard to say because it's also impossible to know who built the nether fortresses they've always just kind of been there but one thing seems for sure looking at minecraft looking at all the different crops that are available in the game at the civilizations that are currently in place and have been in place in the past and looking at the villagers and their entire mechanic as a creature it seems fairly obvious that the most civilized creatures in the game are those that have a sustainable source of food and that if you want your society to, to survive you have to have a sustainable source of food or else it falls I think that anyone who has played Minecraft for a long period of time can tell you that if you build a house, if you have a long a long-standing structure and, and you adventure a lot, but you don't have a sustainable source of food, you don't last very long in your game. You'll typically starve to death or, again, get your health bar so low that you can't run and can't regen health and then you end up dying pretty early on. However, those who have a sustainable source of food right out the gate, whether it be fishing or farming or hunting or, you know, getting some livestock together, they seem to have a lot more success early on in their worlds than most other players do. Now, that's not counting speedrunners. Speedrunners don't count. They have their own thing going on. But this goes back to a larger narrative that I want to use to kind of tie back this episode into the original conversation. Society and agriculture cannot be separated. This is true in Minecraft, it's true in Wally, it's true in The Good Dinosaur, it's true in Outer Worlds, it's true in every medium that we've analyzed on this podcast. We watched The Martian. He couldn't survive without food. There are a million and one other examples of movies, video games, TV shows that rely on agriculture, or that, that demonstrate the reliance of agriculture being incredibly important in society. Now, there again i could die i could dive into the actual science of agriculture and minecraft and talk about how you know their irrigation systems don't make any sense or talk about how you know they have 
a million or they have they have just a, a small selection of crops when they could have millions of different types of crops and and how you know their their ecosystem doesn't make much sense with the types of crops that they grow but that's not what i'm here for maybe a future episode maybe if i can get like an actual guest to come on here and talk to me about minecraft and actually get into a full conversation about it but the entire purpose of this conversation is to solidify that that final point that the third paragraph is trying to make which is agriculture and society need each other nature and society need each other and nature needs agriculture in order for society and nature to communicate because as we talked about before society and nature don't have the best relationship especially right now it's getting better i believe to a degree you know there's been a lot more literacy involved with environmental protection and with you know uh, having better conversations about the environment and how to protect it but at the end of the day, a lot of people are ignoring one of the largest contributing factors to that environmental protection, which is agriculture. People often blame agriculture for environmental damage, which is fair. There has been a decent amount of environmental damage caused by agriculture. However, as our technology evolves and our methods develop further, a lot of that damage has been not only mitigated, but in some ways even reversed. Agriculture may be the only hope that the environment has at being sustained and and in a lot of ways saved from its potential doom. And if we've learned anything from analyzing these movies and TV shows and games, it should be that if we allow our society to ignore agriculture for much longer, we run the strong possibility of going under of our society completely falling because it, it neglected the one thing that was most important for its survival, food. Now, water is a whole separate issue, but that's something that I'm going to get into another day. I mostly just wanted to kind of cover this in a bit of a shorter episode to finish up our third paragraph because I think that it's important to have these conversations and it's important to bring some awareness to the issue at hand. You see, I've been asked multiple times, why is it so important that we analyze agriculture today? Why is it so important that we test out new technology, new methods like regenerative ag, you know, GMOs, pesticides, all these chemicals, like, you know, that stuff is is so excessive. We waste so much food. Why is that important that we even know how to do it today? Why don't we just wait until we need it? Well, my answer to that is always the same. If we wait until we need those solutions... We very well may put ourselves in a position where we are no longer able to get to them. And what I mean by that is, we are not living in a video game. This isn't Minecraft. In Minecraft, I could build a house, tear it down, and then till all the all the soil that my house was standing on, and then farm that land. That's not a possibility in the real world. In the real world, if I tear down a house and try to plant anything on the on where the foundation was, it's not going to grow because all of the microbiomes, all of the microorganisms that lived in that soil are now dead. As we've talked about before on this podcast, it takes hundreds of years for topsoil to regenerate to a degree where it's even farmable again. If we neglect how much land we're using up, if we neglect the amount of effort that is required to grow food if we neglect the necessity that we're going to have one day on agriculture and then just tear apart all the resources that we currently have access to well when it comes time for that day where we all of a sudden need all these new methods and technologies we're not going to have them because we're not going to have any of the resources we needed to make them work 
That's why it's important that we learn about all this stuff today. That's why it's important that we're testing out new methods, new technologies, you know, GMOs, chemicals, all that kind of stuff. It's not because we want to. It's not because it's, you know, just for the sake of seeing if it works. It's a what if factor. It's a safety blanket. It's if we get to the point in the future where we don't have enough land to grow food for everybody, what are we going to do then? So that's kind of the, the big picture that I'm trying to get into everyone's head at this point. Now, agriculture is something that's near and dear to my heart, obviously, and it's something that I acknowledge isn't going to be part of mainstream conversations probably anytime soon. But that's not going to stop me from continuing to try to get those conversations going and to get people interested in this subject. And again, it's not because I think that everyone needs to know about agriculture or because I think everyone should be educated, but when people are voting on on you know, legislation, when people are making decisions, whether it be purchasing or voting decisions on things that impact farmers, and then they're wondering why prices are getting so much higher or why there's food scarcity, it, it it's troubling to me to see that people are having such a disconnect from their food and then complaining about why their food is not the way they want it. Having a healthy relationship with food and where it comes from is the number one goal or should be the number one goal for anyone who is even remotely curious in their food. It should be the goal for everybody, but that's not my job to to enforce. I think that if people want to make a difference, and if people want to see a bright future for themselves, their families, their friends, anyone in their lives, they should take the time to read up on some material about modern agriculture, about legislations that are being passed, how that's impacting farmers around the world and on the local level, about new technology and new methods that are being implemented into modern agriculture, about why those methods are being implemented, more importantly, and about what they can do to help. I'm not asking everyone to go help out on the farm. We do need more labor. We're always in need of more workers on the farm, but I understand that's not for everybody. What I am asking is that people don't advent don't actively oppose agriculture or work against it without familiarizing themselves with the importance of it and understanding that whole whole picture of if we don't do anything, here's what happens. Once again, we're not in Minecraft. As much as I wish we were, we don't have the ability to just close this world and start a new one when things don't go our way. We don't have the ability to just keep walking infinitely until we find another part of the world that has the resources that we're looking for. We've only got one Earth. We've only got farms for as long as we can sustain them. And our, our civilization will only sustain itself for as long as we allow it to. If we don't take the time and the consideration to have these conversations, to get people involved, to get people aware and interested and passionate... We run the very likely risk of putting ourselves in a hole. We always talk about preserving Earth because, you know, we only have one. And yes, that's important, and that's that's definitely true. But not only is it important to preserve Earth, but it's important to preserve our society, too. I'm not saying throw, out, throw away our civilization or tear down buildings by any means. I don't think we, we should, but I think there should be a better conversation about how to handle these issues than just putting agriculture on on the chopping block. I think that the more that we get into this mini-series, and we're actually almost done with it, 
the more I've, I've begun to realize kind of what I was looking for out of doing this whole thing. I wanted to prove to myself that my theory was correct in that agriculture and society are inseparable, that the two are entirely reliant on each other for existence, and I proved, my, I proved to myself much more than just that. I proved that agriculture and society are not inseparable, but rather are reliant on each other. They're basically each other's life support. And that agriculture not only surrounds us and, and is in everything we consume, as I had originally stated, but that in everything we consume, the same story is always being told. That of agriculture is necessary for a civilization to start, to continue, and without it, it will fall. Now, this was really interesting to me, and I understand that not everyone in the audience is as passionate about this particular theory as I was, or as I have been, or as I am, and I understand that this miniseries isn't the most popular series I'm ever going to do in this podcast, and that's perfectly fine. It was almost more of a video journal to myself, because I was curious about how far my thoughts could go if I allowed them to. Now, not a single person might hear this, or the people who do hear this may very well not take heed of what I say, and that's perfectly fine. Maybe you just want to hear the fun conversations of people you know, asking me questions and sharing their thoughts. That's awesome. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. But if you take away nothing else, then acknowledge the points that I'm saying right now. In this mini-series, I've analyzed things to a degree that I never thought I would. From the historical perspective, from modern day, from technology, from video games, from movies, from TV shows, from everything I could possibly think of, art, history, music, all of it, agriculture is here to stay. It's incorporated with everything we know and will continue to exist as part of everything that we will ever care about. Now, I can only do that with support, with love, with passion. And again, you may not think that this is important, but I would urge you to think about everything in your life. Think about the desk that you sit at on a daily basis, or the phone that you look at every five seconds, or the computer that you work on. Think about what you had for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Think about the clothes that you are wearing. Think about the tools that you use every day, the utensils, maybe it's a pencil, maybe it's a rake, maybe it's a shovel, maybe it's a tractor. Think about the car you drive. Think about everything that surrounds you in your life. Think about the TV shows you watch, the mu- the, mu- the music you listen to, the movies that you watch every night. Every bit of everything you consume contains a piece of agriculture because agriculture is within all of us is deeply rooted in our society and is deeply rooted in us as humans now a lot of the people that i've talked to on this podcast have had a similar thought whenever i've talked to them about the relationship between agriculture and nature and they've all said something along the lines of you know humans just have this natural draw to nature There's something about nature and being outside and being near things that just kind of pulls us in. We just all feel like we need to be out there. Just not everyone wants to. 
And I think that that's the important part of this entire thing. It's that agriculture is part of all of us because it is our tighter nature. We all have a natural draw to the natural worlds. I don't know how many times it's going to fit natural into this monologue, but we all have that that magnet, you know, magnet magnetization to the natural world, but we can never explain why. Now, yes, it's because it's where we came from. It's because that's where our food comes from. It's because that's where everything we know comes from. But it's something even more than that. It's something almost religious or spiritual. You know, even if you don't believe in that kind of stuff, there's something that is undeniable about, you know, the attraction that we feel towards natural things. And I think that as we kind of wrap up this mini series over the next couple episodes, I want you guys to really think about everything in your life and why you enjoy it so much. It all comes from agriculture. So do you enjoy it because it's just a cool product or because it tastes good or because it makes you feel good? Or do you enjoy it because a piece of it reminds you of something simpler than your technologically advanced life? Something more natural? Or do you enjoy it because it ties you to something that feels more real than the plastic or the computer or anything else in your life that is not natural? And the funny thing about that is the word natural is so difficult to define because everything and also nothing is considered natural you know we consider the plants outside natural but if they're grown in a garden are they truly natural or did we put them there we consider a computer unnatural we consider it man-made yet all the materials that's made out of are natural materials to some degree it's made out of it it has a computer chip in it we may consider that unnatural yet it comes from animal byproducts the plastics come from polymers of different natural materials. We consider our food natural, you know, if it is raw. You know, fruits and vegetables that came from fields we consider natural, but we grew those ourselves, so are they natural or are they man-made? All I'm saying is we have this draw to the natural world, and yet we're so picky about what we consider natural. But I think it's because we have such a high standard for what we want to consider natural because we consider what is natural to be what is good. And I'm not saying we're wrong for thinking that. I think that we should have a, a draw to the natural world. I just think that if we're going to, that we need to have an appreciation for what we already have and acknowledge that it comes from the natural world too and that we are always connected to the natural world and that we should appreciate having that connection while we still do. And if we want to maintain it, we should work to do that together because we tend to do a lot better work when we're not trying to fight each other or fight the system or try to shut down every method of growing food that we have ever thought of. Now, my rant's getting a little long here, and I apologize for sounding congested. I'm, I'm kind of coming back from a cold right now, so my voice probably isn't too the best ability that it could be. And also my my brain's starting to kind of shut off a little bit because I'm not sure quite where I'm going with this. Um, I think I kind of just wanted to wrap up the third point and, you know, give this this paragraph a nice um a nice send off, kind of close you know, close this chapter of the book. Next week we're gonna have an interview um with Tyler, hopefully. 
depending on how we can line things up with the interview. Might not be for a little bit. Um, but him and I are going to close up with the why is ag worth protecting episode. And I'm really excited for that one because that will tie this entire thing together. That'll be the conclusion to the mini series. We'll do a, a final episode summarizing that. And after that, we'll do a couple more. And then we're going to have a, some new things coming up for the podcast. So make sure you tune in for that. But that being said, my monologue is over. I've ranted enough. I'm kind of starting to um, zone out a little bit. So I think that I'm going to wrap it up there. Hope you all enjoyed. I know this wasn't a traditional episode and I'm sure it probably wasn't the most exciting for most people, but um, I've wanted to do a Minecraft episode for a while and I just, I couldn't get the guests together in time. So um, this will have to do for now. We might do another Minecraft episode in the future, but that being said, thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, appreciate all of you for sticking by me through all of this. I know that the listenership has been a bit low because like I said, the mini series is not, taken off quite like uh i expected it to which is fine i really actually didn't expect people to to attract to it all that much i more so did it for me because i i've been wanting to do this for some time now but i appreciate all of you who have stuck around and i hope that some of you come back as we get into the later episodes of this season but thank you all again so much for tuning in i hope to catch you all next week and don't forget if you ate today thank a farmer <laughs>